Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on everybody we are live with underground sports philadelphia episode number 202 Kyle Bennett, matt castarina coming at you live from underground studios as always show brought to you by main auto llc ducharms pro foot security 21 wainwright bernhardt funeral home paul j gillespie incorporated bob novick automall mark ronchetti cpa llc and the dental wellness center of vineland and of course our awesome friends at design tree man we got a lot to talk about tonight a lot has happened uh since sunday when we last recorded but how are you my friend cannot complain i am living the dream biggest thing uh sixers wise is they are playing tonight we will keep you updated on that score as well but joel Embiid speaks to the people through uh the players tribune with a very uh you know run through a brick wall type of uh you know piece that he wrote what were your thoughts on uh, Joel? It was the exact thing you want to hear your franchise player say. Um, I know the Players Tribune. Some people like kind of like, poo-poo on it because it's not, you know, it's kind of like having a ghostwriter. Of course, yeah, like it's, Joel and B did not sit down and put pen to paper and all that. But those are still his thoughts, just written by someone else. Um, but yeah, I thought it was everything you want to hear, and definitely echoes the sentiment that he's had since, you know, being a part of the Sixers. It's it's not really necessarily new, but now you have this kind of new thread of, for the first time, he's faced real defeat. You know, last year's playoffs was crushing for, you know, the players, crushing for the fans, for the coaches. You even had Brett Brown preseason talking about it in the field house, so... Um, that section definitely, I think, is, like, the, the motivation. They used to call that, what, like, the... Uh, uh, what like that the locker room stuff like you, you put it up ab- above your desk like that kind of thing to to get you charged up and yeah it certainly is a motivating factor and yeah, obviously it comes uh, with the release of the design of his new shoe which looks pretty cool I think is and it's I mean you talk about having your own shoe and what that means for for you as kind of a brand and, and as a player it's I, I, really uncommon for big men to have their own shoes. He typical. is the only center in the league with a signature shoe. Yeah, you know, it's not a, a very common thing. You know, you even think of even the number of players that have their own shoe. It's not very many. I think he's the 17th now, mm-hmm. which is, you know, very very big company to be in. And obviously, you know, the last time we've had a, a player be on that level of marketing was Allen Iverson. Um and that was a much different era where like players did not have the the pool that they do now. So, from that perspective, it's awesome to see him you know kind of join that category as a more elite off the court type player. And that's that's the kind of stuff you want for him. You know, as a person, you know, obviously going to help him later in life. You know, obviously you're going to be making him quite a bit of money, and he deserves it. And also, you know, for recognition and for now too, like you get a. A, a global kind of person now to, to bring in more fans to the Sixers, and that's ultimately good. So 
all around, it, it was great. Um, happy for him that he's you know going to have this opportunity now to have a, a brand shoe like this. That's very cool. And yeah, the the player should be an article was. It was a great read. I think they're always great reads. They're always really insightful. Um, I think there's always something you can take away from them. And I, 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 I love hearing kind of players' more introspective thoughts. It's always nice. We tweeted the article from our Twitter page, uh, at UndergroundPHI, and Joel tweeted it as well with the caption, I'm trying to win an expletive title. He should put titles. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what everyone wants now. You know, it, you don't... The, the whole point of putting teams together now is to win titles. You're, you're not long gone to the days of really just um, sitting by and being content with the sixth seed and maybe making the second round. Everyone wants to be the, the best team. They want to win the titles, and they want titles. They don't want just one. Everyone wants to be dominant. Everyone wants to be in the discussion of having a dynasty. Um, and, yeah, I think for me... Uh, it's all it's all a good read, and obviously it sucks because he's out now. Uh, he's out injured. It'd be nice to have this and be able to look forward to him, you know, dominating, say, Brooklyn tonight. But yeah, it's um it's all good stuff, and it's the kind of thing that, frankly, you you want to see as a fan, um, and you hope now you can just capitalize on that. That you know some of that comes to fruition. Now, obviously, uh, you know the Sixers played on Monday, and unfortunately, again, lost on the road. Uh, to the Pacers, 101-95. to um, Ben Simmons had a fantastic first half, and then it seemed like Brett Brown kind of took the ball away from Ben a little bit. But overall, Ben had a, a great game. Josh Richardson had a great game. Uh, Tobias had a quality game. But Sixers just couldn't get it done on the road again. And, you know, the the tensions are flaring, to say the least on the uh, the Twitter machine about this team when it comes to road games. You and I both obviously have said, you know, it's just basketball and it's still, you know, mid-January right now. You do want to see things start to turn around a little bit, but you also have to take into account now that Joel Embiid has not played. Well, they've also lost six straight road games. Um, that's obviously not great. And even overall, they haven't been playing all that well lately. It's not like, you know, they've had a terrific run of form here the last few weeks. They've been kind of struggling. And it, there's reaches a certain point where it's no longer, okay, in a little bit of a bad stretch and it starts to be, okay, I think that there might be some systemic issues here. Um, obviously, some of that is amplified when you don't have them beat on the floor. Obviously, not great. But the fact that... Uh, the three-point shooting has been as abysmal as it was. And, by the way, against Indiana, a great defensive team Monday, they had open looks. Um, really, I think going into the, the first half, this team should have been, I think, well ahead, just to be very honest. They, the the three-point attempts that they had, in my opinion, I haven't looked at the actual stats on them and what you know they call wide-open looks, but we had wide-open looks on, on three all night. I they were 6 of 33 yeah. from three-point range. It was rough. I think it was like 1 of 11 in the first quarter. It's just that has to like, that's, you know That is so below league average that it's it's so strange because this, this team just is so awful on the road. And I don't, I don't know what the issue is. I, I don't know if it's a comfort thing. I don't know if it's a preparation thing. If I don't know how you fix it. 
And it, it needs, frankly, it does need to change. There's no mm-hmm. ifs, ands, or buts about it. And you can say all you like about, oh, well, some of those games are close. You know, we have the same record <laughs> that the, the Bulls have on the road. And that's that's a team that, you know, is going to be a lottery team this year. You know, and, and our goal is to win a championship. I'm sorry, but you don't win an NBA championship when you're 7-14 and 14 on the road. Because you, you will lose games at home during the playoffs. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter how good we are at home and that I feel comfortable when we're at home. Someone is going to take one in, in the Wells Fargo this May or June. It, it, I think that's inevitable. I mean, we already the Nets did it last year. Like, we, we have a great home court advantage. I'm not denying that. But it's not impenetrable. And the fact that we can't go on the road and get things done is, is a little worrying. Um... That being said, we ha- alternatively we the, the the wins that we've had on the road are pretty high quality wins this season. So it's like I, this this team is um, kind of an enigma that as you try and solve the puzzle gets more and more complex. Um, and you know, as you draw closer to the trade deadline, you're going to hear more trade rumors, and you know you'll you'll hear more about potential uh, waiver additions that could be made, any kind of buyout market the Sixers would be interested. But it's as always, that's going to be a very competitive thing. Even some of the guys that you might be thinking of trading for, you probably may have to pay you know a more premium price for. So it's clear that this team needs something else. It, it's clear this team needs an additional three-point shooter, someone who can handle the ball. The, the strange thing is, is it feels like Trey Burke could fit that role, and yet he's not really getting the time. I don't, I don't really understand that. I want to see more Trey Burke with Ben Simmons. I think that's been a pretty successful lineup, and yet we're getting kind of starved of that. I, you know, th- that's where you can. I think it's fair to question Brett Brown and his management. Is that this this team is not an untalented team, and I, I think it is an inexcusable at this stage to be performing this poorly on the road. Um, and I, I don't think that reflects well on Brett Brown. I don't think it reflects well on him that, you know. At some point, you'd expect some of the adjustments to come, and they haven't. And I think that's where you're going to have actual criticism of him. Um, whether or not that means his job is, you know, up for grabs, I don't know. I, I think you you might be considering pulling the the trigger, but I, that may be too soon. It's very hard to time those things and, and who you even have lined up. But th- there certainly has to be some questions asked of Brett Brown. And I, I've been someone that I think has been very uh, very optimistic and positive about him and defensive, but. You know this thing continues, and say we're, you know, nine and nineteen. You know, going into February on the road, like where where does it end? And that could legitimately cost you a shot at an NBA title this season if you cannot make that adjustment. And you know, the NBA is all about adjustments now, whether it's in game or through the course of a season. You have to evolve. And you have to be adaptable. And I think this team is in many ways adaptable. I think they have the talent. It's just executing that and right now they're they're not on the road at home i have no worries <laughs> this team is unbeatable at home mm-hmm. pretty much i don't know and they have four more road games this month too against the knicks the nets the raptors those three are in a row and then the final game that they have on the january slate is at the hawks who is a team that has given the sixers team fits you know we saw it early in the season they have no answer for trey young and you add that in with just the road struggles, who knows how that game goes. Yeah, the Hawks are certainly a very uh, feisty team, as we've seen this year. Um, yeah, if, of course, you, you could lose to anyone on any night in the NBA, just being frank. Um, you know, the the Knicks beat the the uh, Heat, of, you know, like last mm-hmm. week. Like, you know, things like that happen. Um, I, they're just so hot and cold, it's, it's kind of hard to get a read on them. 
And I again, I, I thought they played. I thought they even played the Mavs half first half very well. Fell apart in the second, and sort of a similar story against the Pacers, where a lot of the execution down the stretch wasn't what you wanted. Um, and I, I think a lot of that just uh, does come down to Ben being still an awkward fit. Obviously, we know, but again, I, like what, what, like Trey Burke, I think is a right to be a little incensed about his playtime this year because again, every time we've seen him on the floor, he's looked pretty good, and he played four minutes against the Pacers. I, like I, I don't know where that is, and and that a lot of that was in the first half. I think almost all of that was in the first half. I don't think he even got in in the second half. Not that I remember. Um, and I just don't understand it. I, like, I, I, think, I think it's very clear you need someone like that with Bennett. And it's also not like this starting five is functioning so perfectly that it's like, well, you know, we don't really want to mess anything up. I think there's room to experiment mm-hmm. here. Mike Scott has been slumping. Why mm. not try it? Like, why, why not try? You know, you have the size to, to put someone in who's, quote-unquote, undersized, even though Trey Burke really isn't. We know he's not obviously not going to be great defensively, but why, like, what, what are you risking right now? The regular season is a time to make mm-hmm. to, to make mistakes. It's okay. Like, I wouldn't be upset if this team was trying new lineups here and, oh, okay, you know, we lost because of a bad matchup, but you know what? I can respect the fact that we're, we're trying something new. Like, frankly, what is there to lose? Like, it, you know, it's not like this team is going to be the number one seed, and at this point you've kind of grouped yourself in with this big cluster get as much information as you can on what works and what does not work and take that into the playoffs with you. Like why, why have Trey Burke if you're going to play him four minutes a night? I don't, that's, that's perplexing to me. And I, I hope maybe tonight that changes. Who knows? Uh, things are changing as Mike Scott was, is not starting tonight. Matisse Thibel is, who knows if that's just based off of, but even then Thibel, like I love Thibel, but like, is there really much of a, a different impact? Like Thibel also isn't necessarily what you need, with especially with this starting unit. Like he's shot the ball well this year, and obviously defensively is great. But you need someone I think that can space the floor a little better, that can take the ball into his own hands and be a shot creator who can work out of a pick and roll. And that's that's not Thibel, and it's not Ben. Like you don't. I I just I. I appreciate, you know, at least changing something up, but we've seen Thibel start this year too. Like it's not, you know, completely unheard of. I, I'd like, I'd like to see Trey Burke get more time. That's that's my piece on it. Um, but overall, I'm still not panicking. I think this team's still in a good position, but there, there's definitely like cause for concern now. But you're gonna get into the the trade stuff now and and all the the buyouts, and that's gonna make things very interesting in the next few weeks. And and who this team might uh, conceivably add or who they might trade away. Uh, will we have another year? Will we have a, a big trade to talk about uh, in February? Who knows? Tonight's bell ringer, Glenn Hurricane Schwartz. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Fitting for the way that this team has kind of been going through a hurricane the past couple of weeks. Um, the other interesting news about the Sixers today is that they are, have no plans to convert Norvell Pell's contract to an NBA contract. His, uh, his two-way contract is slowly dwindling down he's got a few more days left on it um before another team could potentially poach him away from the Sixers um I've gotten a chance to see Norvell down at Delaware and we've seen what he's been able to do you know with the Sixers just defensively and and kind of be a, a spark for this team it's very interesting that you know the the reasoning behind it is they want to have flexibility as they uh, approach the trade deadline but very interesting what how they're kind of going about things with Norvell Pell, you know, just the way he's been able to be a spark for this team. 
Yeah, he's been uh, definitely one of the brighter spots of these these last few weeks in terms of what he gives you defensively off the bench. Um, you know, the the one issue with him is he fouls uh, <laughs> pretty poorly. <laughs> I think he's averaging something like eight fouls per 36, which isn't totally fair to him because it's not like he's playing big, big minutes, um, so the sample size isn't great for him. But, yeah, he's <laughs> he, he certainly hasn't shown a ton of discipline. Um I have mixed feelings on Norvell Pell. He's he's not a super young guy where you think, oh, he has bags of potential. You know, he's he's 26. It's not like this guy's you know early 20s, and you think you have maybe un, uh, an undiscovered gem here. Like he has miles on him already. Like turns 27 in February. You know, like he's not a young player. Obviously, that's young in relative terms. But for all intents and purposes, this is probably the finished article that Norvell Pell is going to be. And frankly, you know, you have to decide whether or not that's really worth a spot on your roster. It's it's debatable for sure. Um, but if the Sixers are to make moves at the deadline, he is one of the more expendable players on the roster. Just being frank, and that's no disrespect to Pell. Like I said, I've I've liked what he's brought the last few weeks. But um, you look at this, you know, this quote unquote deep bench we have, um, and he is. He really is, you know, the 14th, 15th man, unfortunately for him. But, um, you know, he's shown enough that I think if it's not with the Sixers, with another team, he can certainly he can certainly make time and, and, you know, be at least somewhat of a, a fringe guy in the NBA. But if the Sixers are looking towards the future in the next three, four weeks of who they might be adding, who they may have to deal, what that could mean for the luxury tax as well, because the Sixers are, of course, worried about that. They probably don't want to go in, into the luxury tax this season since they'll be going in it for the foreseeable future, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, they, they have to keep the, the long view in mind, which I don't necessarily have a problem with. Nailed it right on the head. 8.1 fouls per 36. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, it is interesting just with the – you know, the way he's been able to add a, a bit of a spark to this team, but, you know, there's going to be, I think, a, a quite a few moving parts in that 13 to 15 guy range on this roster, whether it's with Pell, uh, you know, cutting Jonah Bolden as, as a potential move just to open things up for guys that end up on the buyout market or who you have to trade for uh, or who you're trading away because who knows what's going to happen with, you know, this trade deadline as it gets closer and closer, but... This is an important time, not only for the the guys on the floor, but for Elton and who's you know up in that front office that's going to be making moves to hopefully improve this team. Yeah, I mean, this is where Elton is going to kind of make or break his career. I mean, this is his early steps in his career as a, a big front office guy, and um, doesn't really get much bigger than being a team that had a lot of expectations coming in a year and. You've, I wouldn't call massively underperformed, but I think everyone probably expected this team to be at a better position than they are now. I think that's fair. Um, and now having to decide what to do. Do you stand pat in, in what you believed this team can accomplish and think that you can get it done? Or are you going to make changes again? And, and the one thing about making changes that I would caution everyone about is change is not always a guaranteed positive thing. There, there's no guarantee that you make any kind of trade, potentially even signing anyone off of any kind of waiver situation, and you're automatically a better team. There's no guarantees of that. And that's not for me to say that I wish there's nothing that changes about this team, because I think we do need something. We need an additional body. But I also think people are being too quick to jump to, well, we need to trade this guy, this guy. Like, And it's like, 
okay, well, we've also only had this iteration of this team for four months. Um, and then going back to that, we only had that iteration for team for two months. And then we only had that iteration for the team for the last four. Like, this team is continually evolving and changing. And if you're talking about a team that has looked inconsistent and that hasn't really, like, has kind of struggled this season to form an identity and it hasn't necessarily been a team that's been a direct evolution of the last few years and that's because you constantly have these these personnel changes it's very hard to have any kind of continuity build um so i'm not anti-trade i'm not you know i'm certainly not anti-signing someone off of, of waivers but i do think people should maybe be a little more hesitant about like pushing all their chips in oh, we need to trade uh you know, we need to trade Mike Scott. We need to trade Al Horford. I've even seen Tobias Harrison trades. Like, well, eh, I don't know. It's not that there's anything wrong necessarily with some of those trade ideas. I don't have in a necessary issue with them, but I think there is something to be said that this team has been through a lot of change as it is and a lot of trades as it is. And I like, you can only just keep shifting things so much before everything just falls apart. And, you know, Brett Brown, I think, is one of the reasons I think that he, I personally like him and, and want to see him stay and think that he's a good coach is because he has, through all that change, still been able to make this team good. And I think that is a, a feather in his cap, at least in my opinion. I totally agree. And I think, you know, the, the, the trigger-happy faction of Sixers fans recently has been very interesting because... I feel like so many people also forget that the two core pieces of this team that are hopefully going to be here for the long term in Ben and Joel, Ben is still 23, Joel is still 25. It's not like they are in their late 30s and you are pushing for, you know, one last hurrah. This isn't the Golden State Warriors. You would think this is like 2011 Phillies right now. Yeah, like going all in like... These guys are still so yeah. young in their careers, and you know, I I don't understand the the need to kind of just accelerate all of this in terms of just like, oh my god, like if we don't win this year, it's it's the end of the world. And sure, the talent on this team was brought in to make sure that this team was competing for a championship, but so many people are, like you said, making it seem like it's the 2011 Phillies or, you know, pushing the chips all in like this is the last shot that this Sixers team has to, to compete for a championship. Yeah, it's um, there's certainly some disillusionment, I think, with some fans. And, again, I think some of that just goes back to this summer and the expectations we had and, uh, coming into the season about what this team could be. But again, I've talked about this. I'm not, you know, overly surprised by what we've seen from the Sixers this year. Like, again, we all knew this offense was going to be a little bit clunky and we were going to struggle, especially losing JJ. Jimmy, we knew it was going to be a big loss. Like, to me, the fact that this team has looked at times herky-jerky there is not surprising, I, like, in the slightest. And, you know, you just hope that you can make, you know, the appropriate changes. Um, did I expect this team to be better off than they are now? Yes, but... I'm not like I haven't been wildly taken aback by what I've seen from the Sixers this season, frankly. Uh, you know, there's obviously been some things that uh, I didn't quite see coming. I didn't see as being this bad on the road, um, and I didn't see some of these bench players struggling for long droughts like they have been. You know, your your Mike Scotts and your James Ennises have not really, not really given you much. And Furkan, for all his first week of the season hype has been a wildly inconsistent player this year hasn't given you really the consistency you're looking for 
and that's that's an issue. Um, but you know, I, I think you kind of have to. Elton has a, a very difficult job in these next few weeks of deciding to to stay the course or, or change something up here. And, you know, not only that, but he's also going to have to, we are going to be talking to a lot of uh, buyout candidates and waiver uh, waiver agents at this point. And um, he's going to have a very tough sell to get people to come to this team. And that's simply because there's going to be lots of competitive other teams. You know, you look, both LA teams are going to be, uh, especially the Lakers are going to be big, big buyers, uh, especially when it comes to buyout guys. And frankly, you know, I, I, can't blame someone for potentially wanting to team up with LeBron and the Lakers over the Sixers right now. I think, you know, the chance to live in LA, I would say if you had to bet right now on who you think is more likely to make at least a finals appearance, you'd probably say the Lakers. I don't even think probably. You would say the Lakers. Um, and yeah, I mean, as, as a player, it, you know, if you're someone like Andre Iguodala and you're kind of just looking for another ring, why not? You know, like, I. That, that that could be an easy decision. I, I don't know that he looks back on his time as a Sixer super fondly either. It's not even like the, the Kyle Korver thing where we thought, oh, we could get Korver. He loved being a Sixer. Eh, did he? I don't know. <laughs> we don't we don't really know. It's been like a decade since yeah. Iguodala's been in Philly. So uh, what like what loyalty does he have to this city? None. And he doesn't he doesn't owe us anything either. And with all of these Sixer struggles they are still only three and a half games out of the two seed. Which, you know what, is just kind of... It's comforting and maddening all at the same time. Because you think of even, again, obviously, math here, two or three of those losses losses turn into wins, you're, you're right in this. But, um, yeah, that that is comforting but very frustrating that the Sixers have kind of stunk the, the last month. But... Uh, still are very much alive in this. Like it's not like they're they're. At, and by the way, Sixers have had one of the hardest schedules of the season so far, and from this point forward, have one of the easiest schedules. So, you know, you, and you talk about the poor road record. We've had really tough road games. Like, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses for this team, but there's there's a lot of mitigating factors that I think are just getting completely ignored. And the the fact that you've had a top five strength of schedule so far. And the fact that you've made it to where you are, where you're nine games above 500, that's not bad. And Missing you can, your franchise player. And that, yeah, Embiid has missed, you know, a third of that. You know, your like first round pick missed two and a half weeks. Like you could be in a worse situation. Like there have been <clears throat> teams with a similar amount of hype that the Sixers have had coming into a season that have had worse years and much more implosive years. Look at the Trailblazers, right? Like this yep. is like this is a team that had a lot of hype, and especially with the way the West kind of shook up this summer, a lot of people felt like, oh, this could really be the year, right? And frankly, not lived up to that. And part of that is also injury based. It's not like they've you know not been performing well or anything, right? They, they've had injuries to deal with, of course, but you know that that stuff happens in basketball. There's not much you can do about it. And yeah, you know, you now have a, a theoretically easier schedule going forward, and. It's not inconceivable that the Sixers could really turn it on. We've seen them do it in the last months of the season or weeks of the season before, go on big, big winning hauls and get themselves into positive positions. I, like, yeah, I think there's still much more for me to be positive about with the Sixers team than, than anything negative. Couldn't agree more. And obviously we'll keep you up to date with the Sixers and Nets. They are currently trailing 11-10 with about six minutes left in the first quarter. Uh, but we got some awesome news this morning, Matt, about the Philadelphia Eagles. And no, it's not coaching staff hires. It's that Eagles legend, wide receiver, Harold Carmichael, finally getting the call to the hall. And uh, we have the audio of the phone call of Harold Carmichael uh, 
finding out that he was going to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame with the Centennial Class in 2020. So uh, we're going to play that for you right now. Hello, Harold. Yes. This is David Baker. How are you doing? Oh, Dave, good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, you, you know that I'm the president of the Pro F Football Hall of Fame, right? Yes, yes. And you might have thought I was calling for you for the Black College Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's the last time I saw you. <laughs> that's right. Um, Harold, um, the coolest part of my job is I get to talk to men like you. And on behalf of all the fans of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, thank you for all you've done for this great game. And it's my great privilege to share that you're going to have a bronze bust in Canton, Ohio. Oh, God. Oh, thank you, David. Oh, man. Oh, God. You're going to be a member of the Centennial class. And we're going to oh, we're going to tell your story God. and keep your legacy alive forever. Oh, thank you, thank you, God. Oh wow. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> this is this is so much of you know I'm honored. Oh gosh, you know I never thought this would happen, but uh, oh thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for telling me this, David. Appreciate you. I feel like I'm dreaming. <laughs> I, I don't know what to feel. I don't, I feel so numb. I feel like it's, you know, <laughs> I don't know what to say, but you know, all of this is really, uh, the first thing I thought about is growing up in the people that uh, I was around and, and it just went from, from um, Jacksonville, Florida up into here in New Jersey now. And just think about all the people that I would like to share this with. You know, because it wasn't me by myself, you know, because there were times when, you know, people just, you know, I, I wanted to quit, but people said, no, keep going. And um, this is such an honor, such, uh, such something that everybody that played in NFL, that are playing NFL, this is where they want to get. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing to me to be able to be a part of the, the you know, the gold jacket guys and uh, something that, you know, it seemed like it escaped me for over 30 or 40 some years almost. Um, but, you know, now it's, it's come to the place now that, you know, with, with God's grace, you know, he let me uh, get to this point now. Awesome stuff there. Uh, Harold Carmichael played for the Eagles from 1971 to 1983. So, you know, think about that. And he is still the Eagles' all-time leader in receptions, receiving yards and touchdowns and he uh gets his call to the hall and he uh he's gonna have a bust at canton ohio and get his gold jacket which i think is well overdue and uh well deserved so very awesome to see harold carmichael going to the hall of fame especially being a part of the centennial class that's pretty dope um yeah that's i can't imagine what it must feel like to have like be rewarded like that um in your career especially like as an athlete like making it to any kind of hall of fame has to be uh, a big big reward i've been to the football hall of fame uh very cool place i would recommend anyone who's in like uh, ohio for any reason definitely go um very very cool experience and happy for him that's awesome you know i, I think 
every everyone dreams of of having something like that happen to them and i'm not surprised to hear him say that he thought <laughs> he was dreaming in the moment um dan baker's also like the massive guy right he's like yeah, he's, he's like he six like nine four hundred pounds something mafia like that. Goon. yeah God, his voice matches up very well yes. with the picture. Of him. <laughs> uh, Harold Carmichael, a seventh round pick in the NFL draft when he uh, was playing in the league, six foot eight. Imagine having to defend that, especially back in the day. I can't even imagine what Harold Carmichael would have been able to do in today's NFL with his height and just his speed and talent, um, and for him to be a seventh round pick as well. Uh, the Eagles could have used him this year. That's for sure. Yeah. Very cool to see all the uh, former Eagles players as well take to, to social media to congratulate Harold Carmichael. And who knows if uh, somehow, some way we can stumble upon it and get to Canton for the induction. That'd be pretty cool. So if anybody has any connects for us, let us know. Because that'd be a pretty cool experience to see Harold Carmichael get inducted into the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. A uh, little bit of other Eagles news. We talked about John Filippo being fired by the Jaguars. Um, he has signed tonight with the Chicago Bears to be their quarterback's coach. So the QB whisperer, as we called him when he was here with Carson Wentz, going to Chicago to work with Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> Good luck. Um, kind of stinks because I would have loved to have had John Filippo back here as a quarterback's coach to kind of just rebuild his stock. Um, but I did see a tweet, you know, a couple years ago, he was one of the hot commodities to be a head coach, and now he is uh, Mitch Trubisky's quarterback coach. Life comes at you fast. Uh, I don't think any tougher job in football right now. <laughs> Biggest thing is he's got to figure out how to uh, get him to throw the left, but uh, good luck, John. You'll need it. Uh, as a picture of Joe Embiid's signature shoe pops up uh, on the Twitter timeline, uh, the Phillies, though, caught an absolute break this week as uh, Josh Donaldson... He's going to the Minnesota Twins on a four-year, $92 million contract. It is so Twins to finally spend money on someone like Josh Donaldson, who is absolutely going to have a season-ending injury in May. Yeah. Not that I wish that on him, but I'm just it's saying just I, the writing is on the wall here. <laughs> uh, and there is a fifth-year option that can escalate the contract to $100 million, or there is a buyout after uh, year four, but... Why did the Phillies catch a break here? Well, the Braves don't get to re-sign Josh Donaldson. The Nationals don't get to sign him to replace Anthony Rendon. And neither team seems like they are going to be willing to trade for either Chris Bryant or Nolan Arenado, which is a huge you know, sigh of relief. Um, and honestly, it makes both of those teams' lineups that much weaker. The Nationals really don't have that potent of a lineup outside of, you know, obviously Juan Soto and they have, uh, you know, Victor Robles and Trey Turner. But that's really all they have right now after Anthony Rendon left. And then numbers one, two, and three in the Braves uh, order being Freddie Freeman, Ozzie Albies, and Ronald Acuna Jr. That's really all they have in their lineup. And the Braves pitching obviously is up and down, kind of inconsistent little bit older and then obviously we know the nationals have a, a stellar rotation but this is a, a big boost for the phillies in terms of just how their offseason has kind of played out so far they've gotten better than both of those teams in my opinion like marginally better um 
I would say they had a marginally better offseason. I don't. I still don't know that the Phillies are. You have to see it kind of play out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking with a friend last night actually, who asked me about the Phillies over under. He said you know, over under eighty four and a half, and I was like, I'd go over just because I think you know you've. Obviously, you've now added another really competent pitcher. You've new manager. You're adding DD into the mix. Like, you know, you have potentially Alec Bohm, Spencer Howard coming up this year. Like, a little more. Like, hopefully, you stay a little less injury uh, ridden this season. Um, you know, things could bounce well for the the Phillies. Just the difficult thing is this division's still really tough, mm-hmm. and it's kind of, in a way, some of the worst time you could get to go all in on on being win now and not really firing off on all cylinders right away because. You know, yes, those teams maybe aren't in the best positions now, but you'd expect them to still improve because a lot of their core pieces are young guys. It's not like they're they're near the ends of, of their ropes here. Um, so it's not like you expect a ton of regression. And even if they regress a little bit, the Phillies were, frankly, pretty far off the pace of these teams last year. So it's not like, you know, there, there's work to be done. Um, I don't, yeah, it's obviously a, a positive news for the Phillies, but it's, it's something that was out of their hands and out of their control that's kind of bounced their way, and I would like it more if the Phillies grabbed destiny by <laughs> with their own hands instead and just paid some money um, rather than just hoping that everyone else is cheap. You know, That's just my opinion. But, yeah, it, it's ultimately good news that he's out of the division and that it, it certainly does hamper the ability of you know both teams. Now, if they do want to go get one of these big guys, yes, obviously that sucks, but... They are going to have to give up quite a bit mm-hmm. to get them, and then you're talking further depletion of resources for them. That's you know you could construe that as a win. I personally wouldn't find it as a win if Chris Bryant is say a national next week, but whatever. Like it, you know it. You kind of have to look at it through any kind of positive lens you can for the Phillies, just because they've. There's not much to get excited about with the Phillies right now in terms of the last month, and it's been it's been frankly just very dry. So you know all you can really get excited about as well the Nationals and the Braves have kind of struck out so that's good for us (laughs) yeah and you know the the biggest reason I think that both of those teams will not be in on one of the two big third basemen that are available in the trade market is because one Nolan Arenado is due about the same amount of money that Anthony Rendon got paid by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim uh, and he has that opt-out after two years so you'd have to give up assets for potentially just two years of a guy and then he who also the the mark on all Colorado Rockies players is about their their splits home and away and Arenado is one of those guys that there's certain question marks mm-hmm. about uh and then with Chris Bryant you'd have to give up the assets and you'd also have to pay him and if the Nationals didn't want to pay Anthony Rendon the money that you know that he got and then the Braves notoriously a, a cheap organization um it's been widely reported to by a bunch of national reporters that neither team seems likely to trade for either of those guys. So that is a huge weight off of the Phillies' shoulders. Um, and then there's also potential that the New York Mets might be uh, getting a new manager because the gauntlet has been thrown down from Major League Baseball on this whole Astros and Red Sox cheating scandal. Um just absolutely wild stuff the the Astros <laughs> at a certain like obviously it's the Mets and we don't care for them at a certain point you have to feel at least a fraction of bad for them because it's like Jesus like you know like they had nothing to do with this and they're gonna get screwed which I feel uh, like 
one one thousandth of of a, of a of a sad empathetic feeling for them, but everything else is like it's just pretty funny. But it's it's kind of sad. <laughs> the uh, the Astros uh, got their punishment. They suspended worth it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Major League Baseball suspended their manager and GM for a year. Um, they will lose their first round picks and second round picks in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. And the team was fined $5 million, and people are like, that's such a minimal amount. Somehow, some way, that is the maximum amount Major League Baseball can fine an organization due to their constitution. The only, the, the harshest penalty there is the draft picks. Mm-hmm. Like, frankly, losing your manager and GM, it's like, you make do. I'm sure the Astros are smart enough, we think at least. I don't know how much of that is them actually smart and how much of them is cheating. Um to, to hire someone and get someone else in the door that could, you know, do a, just as good of a job or at least uh, replicable. They still have a great roster. It's not like, you mm-hmm. know, they... None they, of the players got None it. of the players suspended, so it's like, whatever. Apparently, <laughs> player-motivated Apparently. scandal. Uh, Probably because it's much harder to hand out, you know, 82-game bans to players or something like this than it is to kind of give a, a, a big... Frankly, a slap on the wrist. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'll be honest. If you said right now, "Hey, Phillies could win a World Series," they just can't have draft picks for the next two years. Um, not like they drafted well anyway. Not like they drafted well anyway, and it means that if it would have meant Gabe Kapler and Matt Clintac get fired, <laughs> hell yeah, and the and John Milton has to pay five million bucks. That that's my wet dream right now. <laughs> and then Jim Crane does the uh, the coward move, and it's just like, oh. They got we got penalized. All right, see you guys. And fires AJ Hinch and Jeff Leno. Uh, Yikes! <laughs> so they lose their jobs. Ultimately, uh, my personal opinion of the two, AJ Hinch will get another job in baseball at some point. Um, it's it would be kind of funny if these guys don't get other jobs. But you have domestic. I shouldn't say funny, but it would be ironic in a way that these guys probably won't get touched by other organizations but guys who you know beat their wives it's you know they mm-hmm. pay them whatever they want the astros so, notorious for uh you yeah, know taking, having misogynistic uh employees and everything you know I, I can't help but wonder if talman doesn't just fly off the handle and just yell the obscene things he did if none of this happens because i feel like that just put a massive microscope on this team mm-hmm. that Maybe if they just even gracefully lose, like I, like nothing even comes to it. Like it, it's, it could be a real like watershed butterfly effect moment of of baseball as we know it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, the, the Astros' punishment is really not that bad. No. Like considering you know how conclusive kind of the evidence was, just from what we know. Um, Two of the biggest operators of the whole thing don't even work for the organization like, anymore. It's just. I, I feel it, it kind of sucks for other teams now who are going to get the, the shrapnel of this. Red Sox I don't feel bad for because they're also now implicated in the cheating since Cora was there and um, how much of that was kind of just replicated there. Jesus. Cora, you know, good on, on the Red Sox ownership for not waiting for John the punishment. Henry, a, a man of principle and value, <laughs> I've always said. Uh, it is weird Cora having to feel kind of good about the Red Sox. <laughs> Alex Cora is out as Red Sox manager, and uh, you know all reports when the initial Astros punishment came down saying that the Cora punishment was going to be severe, uh, knowing that this occurred with him in two organizations, and then the video today, I don't know if you saw this, of uh, him talking to the media after, I believe it was Game 3 of the London series that they had against the Yankees, 
uh, Cora just talking about how they were a much improved team from last year, and he said that he always said their biggest offseason pickup was Carlos Beltran and then winked at the media. I remember hearing that when the Astros stuff was unfolding, when people were saying, okay, well, like, Alex Cora, like, like Beltran have to be implicated in some of this in some way. I remember seeing that back then, but I did the, the web here is just unbelievable. Um, where were the Phillies at in all this, huh? <laughs> Couldn't we have cheated? They were using carrier pigeons. I don't care if they call it tainted title, whatever. It, it's a ring. <laughs> Jesus. We wouldn't have even cheated, right? No. We would have stole the wrong signs. <laughs> Um, it, it is a crazy wild web of just how all of this has unfolded, and now this this smog and shadow is you know hovering over the Mets with Carlos Beltran. Is he's the only player at the time because he was a player on that Astros roster uh, when this all went down that has been continually mentioned uh, in the report from Major League Baseball, the Alex Cora video, and just. Everything that has come down, he has been one of the quote-unquote masterminds behind all of this, and now the Mets have this, you know, glaring, uh, you know, mark on their organization because they hired Beltran to be their manager in the offseason, and now they have to figure out what they're going to do with it because it's absolutely insane with all of this coming down, and... You know, I, I heard somebody, I believe it was Liz Rocher on the SB Nation Phillies uh, podcast with John Stolness said she would have liked to seen the punishment be for the players, the Astros, be ineligible for the postseason for, you know, the next one, two, three season, whatever it may be. Because, sure, the players, you know, this was a player-driven thing. Allegedly, A.J. Hinch was not on board with it, but he allowed it to go on. Um but if the players are going to be on this roster, you're not going to suspend the players. Prevent them from getting to the pinnacle of your sport, which is getting into the postseason tournament. It's mostly something you see in college sports, but if you want to set a true blue standard for you know this, this scandal that has gone down over the past couple of years, prevent the Astros from going to the postseason and prevent those players from playing uh, you know, at the peak pinnacle of of this sport and you know sure they could end up winning the division but you award that postseason spot to whoever finishes in second place and they're dubbed the AL West champions I think the players union though probably would have had something to say about that that's where this all gets Mm -hmm. really and it's it's hard to with something like this to prove like think of all the evidence you had against this team right and like it's very clear that there's some pattern here of, of behaviors leading to guys knowing what pitch and being successful um it's still hard to conclusively say and i'm talking in legal terms right like and and there's a difference between being legally convicted and publicly opinion convicted right we it's not about what you know it's about what you can prove definitively and it's still hard with everything you have with all the video you have to definitively prove not only what happened but who specifically played what part and like it's hard to necessarily we know the players had a role in this we know that they knew it's not like they were blind to all this of course they weren't but it's hard especially now you're involving a players union and having to actually prove this in court it's no longer just oh 
John Boy on Twitter is showing me how they did this. Okay, this makes a lot of sense. I get this. They cheated. It, there's a massive difference there in what you have to prove to actually. You're talking millions of dollars. You're talking careers. You're talking the health of an organization where, you know, if, if they're not able to to make the playoffs, why are they even trying in the regular? Like, there's all types of permutations then you have to deal with. So that's that's why punishment like that, while I agree, like, on the principle of it, just could never be enacted because just because there, there's just too many traps there and this is the the punishment makes sense because you're technically punishing the people that should have had control over this you know you would think theoretically at least and it's hard to, to punish any kind of player specifically for this it, you know it, it sucks you'd, you'd like to see the players get more punishment for it and, and actually you know pay up and have some repercussions here um but what can you do? You know, they'll they'll have they'll get booed in every park this year. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that'll suck for them, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'm very much looking forward to seeing, uh, especially them playing like the Yankees, and, and you'll see like the Dodgers games and stuff. How how those will come across? Um, how people will feel about them? The the reactions? Um, yeah, and they deserve it. So yeah, completely agree. And if you want to take some laughs. Uh... Go follow Trevor Bauer on Twitter. Yeah, that was good. I liked that. <laughs> Trevor Bauer has been on this full-blown conspiracy about the Astros for years now, uh, and he finally is feeling vindicated. So I totally forget if the Phillies play the Astros this year, so I'm seeing if that is a thing because... I feel like off the top of my head, we don't. I don't think they do. I know the Yankees don't until like late in the season, mm-hmm. which is a bummer. Um, I wish it was kind of more like a... We do play the Astros oh. on the road. <sighs> well, unfortunately, guess we're going to lose those games. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. Well, do you think they're not going to... They should have a trash can ban in the stadium. <laughs> well, did you see the... Uh... They need like uh, ARFID chips on all the trash cans so they can track their location at all times. You ever watch Mythbusters? How they would put the uh, find my trash can, the, the concussion like testers on there. Like oh, the, yeah, yeah. The, they need that on the trash can to see if they've been used <laughs> used inappropriately for with being beaten with baseball bats. The G force testers. Oh, we got a cracked lid on this one. Someone someone took a swing Take it to the back. Oh man, but yeah, this this entire scandal with you know the Astros and then everything with the Red Sox where they just took it to new heights and. Uh, you know, none of the the people who have been punished, I think, deserve to see the light of day in baseball for some time now, uh, especially Alex Cora. Um, but it's it's absolutely crazy how this has all just come to light. If this was the NFL, the Yankees, Astros would be getting flexed to opening weekend. <laughs> oh, a thousand <laughs> Tapes would have been destroyed. The the Astros video yearbook would have been replaced in every single person's home. They would have them play the first 30 games of the season. Just <laughs> all in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> and just, just, they would have, they would have, like, reimbursed fans for, like, Man, I, I'm sure they're tight. I think they have to wait till like August for those games. I'm sure the MLB is pissed that oh, they have to wait man. that long. Let's actually look that up because that's going to be absolutely wild. Because that'll give just enough time to see like some of this. They, like people will still be salty about it. It'll still be, I'm sure, electric. Um, but it'll give enough time for people to like get over it a little bit. If it was like you know, you're talking April, May, you really would have gotten into it. But when when are the games? First series is in Houston uh, in May. Yeah. 
you want the New York that you need it on the road. You need the 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 venom of being in New York. I I don't think they go to New York till late in the season. And then they go to New York. Let's see. Ah, here we go. Yeah, September. <sighs> like yeah, like that's right just when it so, that's just so much time oh. though. You know, like you, you, uh, you switch it, <laughs> switch it. <laughs> Plus now you got can't, the can't like the circus come to town or something. Right. What did we have? Uh, Frozen on ice or something? Yeah, Disney on Disney ice. Disney on ice. God, that's you know what? This town has never been the same since Disney on ice. <laughs> it really hasn't. Um, plus you have the whole Garrett Cole being on the Yankees thing now. Oh man. <laughs> Good grief. A uh, little bit of Flyers news too to wrap some things up. Uh, Carter Hart's gonna miss some time. With an abdominal strain, he has been ruled out for two to three weeks. Not ideal, but if he is going to miss time, I think this is the perfect time for it to happen because Flyers don't have too many games left before the All-Star break. So if Carter Hart's going to miss time, let it be now and then go into the All-Star break and let him heal up over the All-Star break. But you don't want to see your All-Star goalie uh, be injured at any point in time, especially with an abdominal injury because we know all about abdominal injuries, especially when it came to Deshaun Jackson. Uh, and how long and pesky they can be. So hopefully Carter Hart gets healed up quickly and uh, will be back on the ice sooner rather than later. Yes, hopefully so. Some unfortunate news, too. Our friends of the show, E-Rock and Gale, uh, they're obviously hosts of the 4th and John podcast. They uh, put out a statement today because of all the things that have gone down on the Eagles Twitter. If you know, you know. Um, people just can't you know, seem to act like normal human beings. Uh, so the 4th and John open tailgates uh, have officially come to an end. Unfortunate end of bummer. an era. Absolute um, bummer. One of the more fun kind of networking events that we've been to. And, you know, we've met some really good friends through, uh, you know, those tailgates. And just, you know, linking up with E-Rock and Gale is always a blast. But, unfortunately, the acts of the few have to affect the fun of the many. So... Uh, R.I.P. to the 4th and John tailgates. Um, one other thing that we missed out on, the Eagles uh, announced that they are going to be on the uh, Amazon series that is essentially like Hard Knocks, and they kind of film the entire season. comes out on the podcast anniversary, so we'll definitely have to uh, indulge in that. And then the, uh, the Netflix documentary series for former Patriots tight end, uh, Aaron Hernandez has come out and it has Twitter all up in arms. I've not watched just, it. I haven't either. Um, but apparently it is very, very good. I so. am hardcore binging survivor uh, because the 40th season, season is 40. coming up with an all winter season and Kyle's family has always watched Survivor, <laughs> and I've been indoctrinated in it. I'm in season 31. I only have, like, six more to go before I've been, like, officially caught up. That has consumed my life. I do nothing but work, work out, and watch Survivor. And even while I'm working out, I've been, like, I've been on the watching bike watching Survivor. episodes of Survivor. Nice. I have been, like, it's gotten to the point where it's overlapped in my life where I'm thinking of why people are saying things to me and of ulterior motives, and I'm, like, thinking of how this will play for the jury. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I've been working on my jury speech for a non-existent jury. <laughs> I'm thinking about challenges. Man, it has just been 
it has been a whirlwind. We are big survivor people. But I've not had a chance to watch and like anything. I haven't been able to watch the new Bojack, I didn't watch any of the new Rick and Morty. I haven't watched the new Aaron and Hannah stuff. Like I haven't watched any of it. Everything. Everything. <laughs> I barely watch Christmas movies. I was just nope. I'll survive. Survivor. All day, every day. Yeah. Season forty is gonna be a lot of fun. Um and then uh Jeopardy, the the old hat tip from uh Philly native Brad Rudder. Uh, betting the forty-one thirty-three uh, wager during the goat tournament was absolutely awesome. So shout out to Brad, even though he didn't win any of the games. Um, that was a lot of fun to uh, watch. But I think that's all we got for you guys. As always, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Underground PHI. Keep you up to date on all things Philly sports uh, as much as we can. And you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorino. You can follow me at KBIZZL311. And then make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know you know, how you feel about this Sixers team. Uh, send a message to Harold Carmichael on being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, what you want to see this Phillies team do, you know, as uh, Josh Donaldson not going to be in the division now or anything else, leave it in your Apple Podcast review. We'll read them on the show. Uh, and you can also follow us on Instagram as we post uh, previews of the show now on Instagram and a whole bunch of other stuff at Underground PHI as well. And if you don't have an iPhone, you can check us out on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. And... Uh, as always, guys, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course our friends at Design Tree. Go to our Design Tree storefront, dsgntree.com, search Underground Sports Philadelphia, use the promo code DSGN5 for $5 off at checkout, or DSGN10 for $10 off at checkout can't stack them but you can use either or and uh help support you know what we do crazy stuff going down we'll keep you up to date throughout the week and we'll be back on saturday with anything else that comes down with any of these four teams or just in either of their respective leagues in general so for everybody here at underground sports philadelphia for matt i'm kyle this has been episode number 202 of usp we are signing off peace I'm